Wednesday morning, and today we're finishing our third talk on abortion. John has done two prior to this that are kind of walking you through his thought process. And today we're doing the final one, and John is going to jump right in. APLOG, which I think is up at the moment, uh, is a very, very good organization, which I've been involved with indirectly over the years. They've just changed their CEO, but uh, many years ago I, I met the previous CEO, CEO uh, Dr. Harrison, providentially, actually, uh, I was at the missions conference, which happens every year in, uh, what is it, Kentucky, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And it, it's, the, I think, the biggest uh, church in North America, and it even has its own coffee bar place and I was sitting there before the session started uh, having a coffee and a, a donut and a lady came to sit next door to me or happened to sit and she turned out to be Donna Harrison and we got talking and her daughter had uh, gone an American award where she would she could choose her university and she had a scholarship and she wanted to be the combination of a nurse and uh, theology because she wanted to do mission work and she'd chosen one near home which she thought would be good and she'd had a few weeks by this time and it wasn't it was not good it was not academically that good and she could drop that and go somewhere else without losing her scholarship but she didn't know where to go and I talked some more and then I talked about Augustine and Donna said she would love that program uh, can we arrange that? And I said, well, it, it's historical. We've already done a few weeks, and it'll take you a little longer to get it organized, but we'd be happy to have her. And after Christmas, she arrived. If she'd been there for the whole year, there's no doubt she would have been top in the whole program. She loved it, and she was. it was made for her, and she was made for it. Uh, but that led to Donna and I becoming uh, engaged in the pro well, drawing me into the American uh, Association of Pro-Life, Obs and Gyne people, where I've spoken many times. It's been a, a very profitable uh, connection for me, too, to have people who know their way around uh, the literature from the other end, so to speak. And the APLOG website that is up for you is well worth having on your computer, knowing or at least knowing where to find it, because you've got good, reliable data. And in this highly politicized subject, the normally reliable sites, like, for instance, uh, the National Academy site, which is totally politicized, uh, have to be criticized, and ordinary people are not in a position to do that, so they do it for you. So you can go through the list of things that are there and you'll find good data that's been carefully looked at and you, you don't need to be in any way academically afraid of the outcome. Now, when it comes to abortion, uh, you will find the Chilean experience uh, described at some length uh, and it, it's important to know about because an experiment of nature, if you like, was done. Chile had a... Uh, a Marxist government under Allende, and of course, one of the first things they do is introduce free access to abortion. I mean, for many years, Russian women ha had on average seven or eight abortions for every live birth. That's not a good, e that cannot be a good experience for a woman. 
Uh, Japan is somewhat similar um, for different reasons. Anyway, uh, then they threw out uh, Allende and Pinochet came in, who was not the greatest of leaders either, but he was very, as well as being something of a fascist, he was still uh, an orthodox Catholic. So he banned abortion. And that went on for some years, and then the left came back and brought abortion back in again. And the data is astonishing. The most astonishing data, of course, is that abortion uh, legislation increased maternal mortality rate. Banning abortion decreased the abortion mortality rate quite dramatically. And, of course, there's a lot going on in there, and the website goes through all the factors that the NAS, for instance, declared there was no evidence whatsoever that abortion was at any risk to a woman's health mental health or otherwise, and it was a safe procedure. Now, that was a blatant manipulation of the data and a lie, and they they took it down by point by point because the study was done extremely well. The guy who did it, uh, I met him once, a, a lovely man, but he's been effectively sidelined because of doing that work. We are living in a, a world where not only is the left politicizing subjects that shouldn't be politicized. It's politicizing science as well. The climate data, COVID, abortion, these are all been politicized and the data now can only be understood by people who really know it inside out. So that's where you, you can go to find the data. And if, if it's a subject that matters to you, you're going to have to spend some time at it. It's not the sort of thing I can go through effectively and you remember it in, in a talk like this, but at least you know where to go. Now, one other name you should know in this area, and you can look him up, is uh, Dr. Ferguson, who's a psychiatrist in New Zealand. And he's the kind of person I, I look for because he's not, uh, he doesn't express any Christian beliefs. In fact, I think he actually says the opposite, that he's a liberal. But he's a good doctor, and in the end, it got to him, and he said, look, uh, all this stuff about abortion not being bad for uh, women's mental health is not true. Uh, those psychiatrists who say they find no evidence, the only reason must be that they're not looking for it. There is a considerable increase in risks to mental health of having an abortion. And APLOG take you through about 13 or 14 different risk factors that need to be put into the study before you can make the kinds of statement that the NAS made. It's a bit like the famous uh, Jordan Peterson, Kathy Newman interview, where basically uh, Peterson says, don't you know about multivariate analysis? He doesn't put it in those terms, but she wants as any, well, I was going to be rude about the, uh, the media, but they're, they're not actually interested in truth. Uh, they're interested in winning their own point. So, for instance, the one that Peterson and Newman were talking about was the, the, uh, the relationship with, be, between the salary of men doing a job and women doing a job. And uh, if you just put sex and, and wages in, it's very clear there is a difference. But once you start doing the analysis properly, okay, that's not the only factor. There are other cross-correlates to put in. 
The next one you put in is hours of work. And immediately uh, the difference between male and female pay drops. In fact, the men are now being underpaid for the hours they work because men tend to work longer hours because we have different priorities. Younger women are always dealing with the fact that deep down there's a biological urge for which is important to the whole species, that they have children. So their, their social lives are more important to them than men who can get so absorbed in their work that they don't notice anything else. That's the way we are. We're tunnel-visioned and women are not. That's why when you're driving in the car and your wife says there's something happening way ahead or be to the left or right, you always take notice because we look at the narrow vision that necessary for where we're driving. If you're driving to a gap and she says, slow down, you can hit the accelerator uh, just for fun. But they see in peripheral vision what we don't. I mean, you go into a cocktail party, every woman knows what every other woman thinks about her outfit in seconds, and we, we don't even know if our flies are done up. Uh, we are so different, and only the, an idiot would pretend otherwise. And it shows up in this area too. So you, you have to do multivariate analysis and APLOG will show you how the things work. But it's a very dangerous world for an academic to go into. The woman who first noted the relationship between abortion and uh, cancer, breast cancer, uh, was a liberal, pro-choice. But she was, a, she was more scientist than she was a liberal. And she got effectively cancelled before the idea had been produced because she said there's a three to one increase in risk of breast cancer for those women who've had an abortion. Now that's that's over 50% of women now. Uh, that's an unacceptable fact, so they try to suppress it. When you don't have a transcendent structure to your lives, these are the things that will happen. And they are happening. So... She was absolutely right. If, if we had a three-to-one ratio for anything else, like eating, what should we say, asparagus, uh, then asparagus would go bankrupt the next day. But no, if it's abortion, it doesn't. We're going to pay a price for this. We are paying a price for this. And we need to think about it. So APLOG will lead you into the literature and hold your hand for you. The next thing you need to do is to look at the voting record of your uh, political representatives. To, to make the, the point, I'm just going to read to you uh, a list um, that I haven't updated for some time. And if, if some of you get around to doing it, you, I'd be very grateful if you would uh, send it to me because uh, it's a useful list. It still makes the point for me, but... Here's um, this I gave up after about half a dozen years, but here's the U.S. legislative history uh, on abortion legislation starting in 1967. It was voted down over 28 times at the level of the state, which is why the Supreme Court sent it back there because it, it knows this data, although it didn't mention it. So in 1967... Arizona, California, Colorado, sorry, Arizona, Georgia, New York, Indiana, North Dakota, New Mexico, and New Jersey voted it down. California and, 
and uh, Colorado were the only ones that passed it, the only two that have. In 69, Iowa, Minnesota, Nevada, Illinois. In 1970, uh, Vermont uh, and Massachusetts voted it down. Washington and New York State now joined those who legalized it. Uh, 71, uh, voted down in Montana, New Mexico, Iowa, Maryland, Colorado, uh, Massachusetts, Georgia, and so it goes on. Both sides keep coming back. But overall, it's between 1967 and 1973, uh, it was voted down 28 times. The last one in 73, a referenda in Michigan, voted it down uh, 61% against, and North Dakota was 76% against. Now, as I say, I haven't kept it up since then. But I've no doubt it's been going on for a long while, and somebody who's interested could no doubt produce an interesting little video on that. We talk about being a democracy, uh, but we don't... Our legislators, who are liberal and uneducated in science... They have an agenda, and it's getting stronger. The polarization of our politics is undeniable, and it's very dangerous. We need to get back to that. So that's uh, legislation. The maternal mortality rate that I've just talked about in relation to the Chilean experience can be found elsewhere as well. Um, here's from uh, the Scandinavians who do good studies and they did, a long while ago now, 1997, a study basically wanting to see whether they were meeting all the needs of pregnant women. But in the process, uh, they were going to collect data on abortion, but they didn't intend to do that. So this was an honest study. Uh, and they, if you put... Um, if you compare the women whose pregnancy ended in a baby with the women whose pregnancies ended in abortion. The statistics are stunning. Uh, the, to the total mortality rate in the two groups uh, is one in the, if you put the baby at one, it's 3.5 times bigger, 350% increased in the women who had an abortion. That tells you they come from a very different subset of society. Natural death was only up by 1.6, 160. Uh, accidents were up over four times. Suicide was up over six times. And the risk of being murdered was almost 14 times greater in the woman who'd had an abortion than the one who'd had a baby. Those are not small numbers. Can you interpret that last one about murder? Well, uh, if you think about it for a moment, you know very well. Um, it's telling you how abusive the relationship is between women who end up having an abortion and the women who uh, don't. Their subset as a social group is dysfunctional. There's a lot to be said for traditional ways of living because that's what we'd learned, what some soul would call mundane knowledge over the years, especially working class people who didn't have anything else other than their local community. They learned what was good and what wasn't, and we had traditional morals. That's what they were. Now they're breaking down because we've stopped realizing one of the main reasons for starting public education was so that children should grow up knowing their 
history and in the Western world, frankly, having something to be proud of. There's no question whatsoever that science began in the Christian West, modern science. So all the increase in material wealth that we've had that's come out of that industry only happened in the West. It didn't happen anywhere else. Uh, 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 children were taught that. They were also taught in school the Bible because everybody was honest enough to say, well, our legal system is a Judeo-Christian concept. That's its history. It goes back to Deuteronomy. When the first state was created by God, the, the state of Israel, he let his creatures uh, learn by experience. Uh, they learned pretty quickly to be bad. I mean, the first natural-born human beings uh, practiced fratricide immediately. Uh, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Uh, now we deny it. But then you have the, the fuss of Babel, which also creates nation-states because nation-states are actually held together by language. That happened. Uh, and then when God starts Israel, he doesn't give any rational explanation for the Ten Commandments. He just states them boldly. And we need to recognize that in every argument, if there's not something that is self-evident, there is no argument. You've got to have a premise to start an argument. We don't do that now. We jump in in the middle and we assume what we want to be true is true without ever looking at that issue. And not surprisingly, it's falling apart. Lewis made the point in his best little book, which most people don't read, uh, The Abolition of Man, but it's worth reading. Uh, I read it every other year at least. It, it's only 119 pages in my copy. It's a pity, in a way, that he starts off talking about education because some people can't get through the first chapter because they don't see where he's going. And the idea of the Tao doesn't work that well, but as a whole, the book is saying such immensely important things. Here's just a, a paraphrase. I haven't got the book in front of me, and it's not within reach, but he, he says this uh, towards the end of the first chapter. He says... Um, for the wise men of old, the cardinal problem of human life was how uh, to adapt humanity to reality. Uh, and the solution was wisdom, self-discipline, and virtue. For the modern man, the cardinal problem of human life is not that. It's how to conform reality to our desires. And the solution is technique. He's got 2,000 years of history into less than a paragraph in one sense there. And he ends the paragraph with a farming analogy, which many people wouldn't recognize, but he says, we cast straight and bid the gelding be fruitful. Basically, he's setting, he says, we're, we're tearing off the bit of us that made uh, progress, that made family, that made life bearable, and capable of improving. Uh, it's an astonishingly good book, but you have to read it slowly. And if you read a paragraph and you don't know what it says, read it again. But that paraphrase that I made is, is worth teaching to your children. Uh, but we've lost that. And 
we have to teach our children how to say, okay, what are you assuming? When you hear somebody something said in public or said to you, and you say, I don't think that's possibly true. Don't say, I think that's a lie. Say, ask yourself the, the preceding question. What are they assuming in order to make that statement? That's the key move in talking about abortion, as I said in, I think, the first lecture of these three. They are assuming that it's not a human being. In the end, they had to give up human being, but they said it's not a human person. If you're going to be comfortable with the idea of abortion, you must believe that it's not like you. Hasn't got there. It's of trivial importance so far. And the consequences of that at the other end of life are, are growing all the while. Now, in Canada, we're having a serious discussion, and it appears that a good percentage of the population think it's okay, that we should practice maid on grounds of poverty. If people say, my life is too impoverished, you can offer them maid. What on earth is going on? Well, it's certainly pulling apart a society, because what it means is that you don't exist because you have the right to exist. You have to demonstrate that you have a, a functional role in society in order to be a, a person. So when you lose your mind, you're no longer a person. When you lose your income, you're no longer a person. And so it goes on. And you see how important this is. When a man in particular loses his job, he, he's devastated by it because men their only means of justification. They, they don't have children. They don't have that option to them. So they're not caring for a family and being, in some sense, essential to that family. They've had their meaning ripped out of them. That's not good. They're bound to react to that, and it's not likely to be in a good direction. Drugs and alcohol and violence is what happens. So... Abortion is simply one of the, the very good indicators of where our thinking goes wrong. And I think that is sufficient for the moment. Um, I'd be interested in comments. I would be very interested if somebody's prepared to do the work to sort out how voting records are changing and whether we're being honest about them. Ordinary people, it seems to me, know deep down that this is not a good idea, but they're not, they're being told that they're bigoted for having that opinion. No, they're not. Without knowing it, they are being wiser than the people who think they know it all. Read your Tom Soul again. Thank you, Dr. John, and thank you guys all for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed this three-part series. If you have questions, I'm sure John would love to hear those questions, and if he does, I'm sure that it would maybe force us into making another talk following up on those questions. So please write in if you are curious. With that being said, we will see you guys all next week. Mm -hmm.